Welcome to the Abiding Word with Pastor Jim Swigert of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Pastor Jim is teaching through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Now let's join Pastor Jim for today's Abiding Word. Let's open our Bibles to Mark chapter 13. where we will continue to look at the longest teaching in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus, as he shared the Olivet Discourse. And as we've seen, uh, verses 5 through 13, especially verses 5 through 8, show us the beginning of sorrows. And uh, we understand these birth pains, birth pangs. Um, we understand, as Jesus said, there's going to be an increase in spiritual deception. And uh, all these things are going to be indicators prior to his coming. And they're like, you know, a woman who is pregnant and that as that time grows to giving birth, the frequency and intensity of the contractions will grow. So uh, we see these exhortations from Jesus and he said, take heed. That is to discern them and perceive them, to understand the times, and all to prepare us and, and for an understanding. And um, as we get into verse 14, we are going to see uh, that this is a time Jesus fast forwards until at least the midpoint of the tribulation period. And uh, in this, as we look at verse 14, it says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And so we're going to see Jesus here answer the question that his disciples asked in Mark chapter 24, verse 3, where it said, Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age. And again, it's important to note that Jesus is fast-forwarding the time. We're at the midpoint of that seven-year tribulation period. We know that from where Jesus mentions the abomination of desolation. And uh, it's important for us to see there's a difference between what Mark said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and what Matthew said, or what we read in Matthew, and Matthew 24, verse 15, also obviously inspired by the Holy Spirit. And Matthew, it says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Here in Mark, we see that Mark said, standing where it ought not. Now, there are some explanations of why this is, most likely, Matthew's audience was Jewish, so they point to the holy place. That obviously points to the temple. Remember, Mark's audience was Gentiles or Romans, and so it's not mentioned. Now, we can spin our wheels on that. But it's a reminder for us that this is Jesus speaking you know, to the Jewish people, to Israel. And uh, at this point in time, you know, as we... Look at verse 14. We understand that there's some things that we know, the big picture, in reference to what Jesus is teaching in this Olivet Discourse during this last three and a half years of the tribulation period. We understand that Israel, we have to look at Israel when we look at prophecy. We understand that God promised Israel that he would bring them back into the land. And we understand that at this time, this, he's brought them into the land, and we know that they're going to be scattered again, and we know that he's going to protect them. And then there's going to be that time when Israel, not every single Jewish person, don't we know that, but there's that wonderful, wonderful time when Israel will see Jesus for who he is as the Messiah. Praise God, amen? I mean, that is Genesis to Revelation. That's the big picture. So we understand that, Israel and prophecy, and we point to today. And we understand there has been a great movement of Jewish people returning home to the homeland. And obviously that really began 
March 14, 1948, when uh, Israel became a nation. So we understand that as a backdrop into this. We also understand that there will be a temple rebuilt at this time, and we'll get into that a little bit more as we get into this uh, scripture. We also understand that there is you know, what Daniel taught or, or spoke of, uh, the abomination of desolation. And we know, even though it's not said right here in this verse, that there is an Antichrist, the Antichrist, not just an Antichrist spirit, but a person, a man of lawlessness, which we will look at. And, you know, I got to tell you, I, I was... Uh, shouldn't bring up movies in a sermon, but um, I will anyway, because I'm flawed. Um, uh, I just saw a glimpse of like five minutes of one of those Avengers shows. Might have even been yesterday. And you know, I love the Avengers. My little boy, he we growing up, we the Hulk and Iron Man and, and Spider-Man and all. I, you know, they were great until I figured out it was all wokeism involved in it all. It just ruined it for me, so I haven't even watched all this stuff. But anyway, you look at the graphics on some of, you know, our nation... And you look at Hollywood and the things that they come up, they, they, there's a sense that they know it's in our heart that we want a superhero to come and fix everything. Amen? And so when we look at Iron Man, oh, and the Hulk, and, and all those superheroes that are, are just amazing, coming and saving the world of great catastrophe. But we know it's not real. Our superhero is Jesus. And that's what we always taught my little boy. This is all great to look at these superheroes, but there is one real superhero, and that's Jesus. But we are right. We are so ripe, are we not, of, you know, uh, Antichrist or the Antichrist, a man, a person coming onto the scene and to have all the answers. Another thing we look at as we understand, you know, the times of what Jesus is talking about, this one world government, you know, the global movement, which we've been hearing for decades, that it's been around at least since Genesis 11, right? But we understand that this is a real thing. We understand where things are progressing to. There's no stopping. The only thing that will stop it is God himself, and God's not going to stop it because it's part of his plan. So we don't have to do a bunch of things as a church to try and stop it. Jesus tells us to take heed and watch and pray for our redemption is near. And that is the blessed hope that we have. This isn't, this isn't all there is. But these things here, as we uh, look at verse 14, these things that we know, we understand, um, built into looking at these scriptures that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go through it pretty quick. but. It says here, see when you, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountain. So also built in this is we understand the Antichrist, uh, the hatred he'll have for Jews and has for Jews, and we understand how all this is building up. Even the one world government, we know we're headed to there, right? the Antichrist. We understand the anti-Semitism and the hatred toward Jews. That's happening at a very, you know, it's been exposed so much more. We, we know it's there. But what about this abomination of desolation? If you're reading this, the first thing that should come, come to our mind, Jesus said Daniel spoke of this. What did Daniel speak of this? So let's go to Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. 
Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. And after the sixty-two weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself, and the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with the flood, until the end of war desolations are determined. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate, even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So this is a, a, an amazing prophecy found in the book of Daniel, uh, one of the most you know, foundational prophecies for us um, uh, as, as believers, as we know the word of God, Jesus referenced it, it must be, it must be important. But when you talk about all of prophecy, here, here's the foundation. Here's the things. And again, this would have been written 500 plus years even before Jesus came. Uh, so look at verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined for your people and for your city. Again, this is telling us the prophecy is referring to the Israelites, the city of Jerusalem. The 70 weeks here refer to the time period of the prophecy. And important for us to understand the meaning of weeks. The Hebrew word for week uh, means um, sevens, seven sevens. It doesn't indicate by itself, but when we look at other scriptures, uh, we understand 70 sevens refers to 490 years. So God's telling us this 490 years are determined for Israel, again, to accomplish the purposes uh, for the people. So the first part here as we read this, it's referring to the Messiah the coming of the Messiah, his atonement, and then establishing his kingdom. In verse 25 we read, Know therefore and understand. You know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's from the Holy Spirit to us. Know and understand. Know and understand. That doesn't mean we know everything. That doesn't mean we are to be arrogant and stand on our views and thinking that we're something special but to know and understand. Obviously, the Lord wanted Daniel to know and understand these things, and the Lord wants you and I to understand the things of eschatology, end times, Bible prophecy, because it has a lot to do with us. And certainly, when we know the future, we know what God's Word says, does that not bring us hope? Oh, yeah, it, we understand there's bad times coming. And as I've shared Certainly believing in a pre-trib rapture, that's what we believe as a church. But that doesn't mean we won't go through things. We can't be arrogant about that. We know the enemy, the Antichrist, all these things are lining up. We don't know exactly what tomorrow holds, except for that God is in control, and he is our blessed hope. Now, so God didn't make this so hard to understand that we're not able to, to look at things and um, to understand things. And it says here that from going, coming forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublesome times. So here we have a decree or a command we know from the scriptures in Nehemiah, this decree was made to rebuild, uh, uh, to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So, it's important then we have a starting point of this prophecy. I'm going to go through this quick because I know my audience, you know these things. Seven years and 62 sevens, 49 years, 434 years, leading to 483 years, 173,880 days. All that brings remembrance to when you read Sir Walter uh, Anderson. Thank you. Wow. Um, in his prof or his book that he explained uh, all this out again, you can pick some holes in that book and his predictions and not, but we know what this was a decree made from the scriptures to the day when Jesus would ride into Jerusalem. 
And so we have the starting point. That's what we need to understand, the starting point, the, the time clicking. And we understand in verse 26, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end of it shall be with a flood until the end of the war. Desolations are determined. So we know these uh, the seven weeks, 62 weeks, that's 69 weeks. We know there's a 70th week. We understand that to be a time, uh, uh, the day of the Lord or Jacob's trouble, where it's going to be a horrendous time, a horrific time here on earth where God is going to be pouring out his judgment. That's the final week, the 70 week. What we want to focus on, and oh, by the way, we are in the middle of that 69 and 70th week now. This is called the church age. This is the time where God is pouring out his gospel, pouring out his spirit to bring mankind to him with hopes that man would turn to him. This is the church age or the age of grace. That 70th week is coming, and again, this is what we want to uh, look at. It says in verse 26, it talks about, um, and the people of the prince who is to come. The prince here is the Antichrist. He is the one who is to come. The people of the prince, people point to uh, AD 70 and this, when Jerusalem was uh, destroyed, the temple was destroyed and all. But the prince... He is the one who surrounds the abomination of desolation. He is the one, as we understand in verse 27, it says, then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That is before the abomination of desolation, obviously, but this is the beginning of that one week when the Antichrist will make a covenant with the many. The many refers to Israel meaning there is going to be a time that in the uh, sacrifices and offerings are going to be uh, done again. We know there's going to be a temple, and we understand, just like these other things that we mentioned from verse 14, uh, that we have an intuition or we have knowledge of, we understand things are being laid in place for that temple to be rebuilt. You know, all kinds of different things that are leading up. Again, we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. We want to focus on this abomination of desolation. And so make a firm covenant with the many. This is the Antichrist who will be on the scene. He'll be ruler of nations. Uh, you know, we, again, this one world government. You probably hear of you know, open borders. Who's heard of this open border concept? If you haven't, it's okay. Your salvation doesn't uh, result in knowing about open borders. But to point that out, the mindset of the global governance, not wanting borders, they all leading to this leader, this one world leader here, uh, the Antichrist, who's going to make this covenant with, with Israel. And at the beginning of the 70th week, he'll be here and... Um, the Apostle Paul talks about this. In fact, let's turn there now. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Remember, Paul was, Paul was wanting to calm the church there at Thessalonica. They had some things going on. They had false prophets. They had some people signing Paul's name to things and, and, and telling them that the, you know, the rapture already happened. They were now going to experience these different things. They were concerned about their loved ones. And, and he explained to them already about the rapture of the church. And, um, and verse, let's, uh, let's go to verse 3 here. Of Second Thessalonians chapter two, it says, "Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God." So this is this is what Mark. This is what Jesus uh, was referring to in the book of Daniel and the abomination of desolation. 
predicted that the Antichrist, this man of lawlessness, this man of sin, at this particular time, the three and a half year mark of the tribulation, he's going to break the covenant he made with Israel. He's going to be in the Jewish temple. He's going to be in the Holy of Holies and there commit the abomination of desolation. He will demand to be worshipped. And we understand then that that is, you know, just like what we read, read from Daniel chapter 9, triggering a time frame with a clock, then this too, abomination of desolation, triggers the time clock for the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus was telling them, you know, you know this abomination of, of desolation, when you see it, you need to know it. He said exactly, see, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing where it ought not. So that's what Jesus is referring to. That's what um, uh, Daniel was referring to as he received that. It's interesting, though, so often, as we've talked a lot in our Zechariah Bible study, of how the Lord gives prophecy, but then many times there's dual fulfillments of it. And when you think about the abomination of desolation, Daniel did predict, and it did happen in around 170 A.D., of one who's like the Antichrist, Antichius Epiphanes, who came, king of Syria, came, hated the Jews, killed over 100,000 people, I, I believe it was Jews, men and women, raped women, and we know that he desecrated the temple, even pouring pig's blood uh, on the altar, um, and, and these different things, forced the priest to drink blood and um, eat raw pork. And so abomination of death. So that foreshadows the Antichrist that is yet future. Remember, Jesus said, so when you see the abomination of desolation, so he's not referring to the past, he's pointing to the future, and he's pointing to this three and a half year mark that takes uh, in the middle of the tribulation when this abomination of... Uh, Abomination of desolation takes place. Okay, let's move on. You, you got the picture, right? <laughs> I hope. You know, I had perf in my mind, I, I pictured these teens sitting here this week. We got one teen in here, and uh, I really wanted them to hear this. And so we'll have to have a replay of the sermon next week, I guess, when they're here. But um, anyway, let's move on. So Jesus says this Let him who is on the housetop not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter. So in all of this, Jesus is showing the urgency of who? The Jewish people who are going to be persecuted. There's not going to be any time to come down from the house. Uh, the women who are pregnant or nursing children, it's going to be a dreadful time. It's going to be difficult for them. And they should pray accordingly. Pray that your flight may not be in winter. And so again, the urgency, the persecution. In verse 19, Jesus says, For in those days, there will be tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the creation which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. So we understand Jesus' warning of this devastation that's going to take place in the world that it's never experienced before. And that certainly contradicts the globalist mindset or the world mindset of this world is getting better. And it's going to get better. Let's not. We know, again, we know where time is taking us because we have the word of God and we have the blessed hope and, and things are happening according to God's plan. Um, we understand in the book of Revelation that it, it, it reveals uh, these things in great detail. And we hope that uh, sometime in the near future we'll get done with Mark and go into the book of Revelation. That's the plan. Um, but again, we see that in the book of Revelation, the devastation. And mind you, that this is judgment of God upon an unbelieving world. Now, we have the blessed hope. We also have to have the mindset from God and from His Word. And how do we live? 
with having this in our mindset. Well, look at verse 20. It says, And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the day. So again, the tribulation will be a result from God's judgment upon a world that is rebelling against him. The enemy who hates God hates the gospel. Grace is going to be rejected. Judgment is the consequence. And that's always the consequence when the gospel is rejected when the love of God is rejected. The world, as Jesus says here, would never be able to endure this extended, uh, or an extended period of time of destruction that's going to take place in, in the tribulation. And so he's going to cut it short. It's an appointed time. God is in control of it. And we also see here that God is merciful for the elect's sake. Now, most point to this as being uh, the Jews, we also understand that God in his grace and his mercy, his plan of salvation is still in place. We understand that during the tribulation, people will get saved, Jews and Gentiles alike. That points to God's mercy. And we all obviously understand when the Messiah comes that Israel will see Jesus uh, for who he is. Verse 21 says, Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ. Look, he is there. Do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so we understand this isn't the first time that Jesus has warned in the Olivet Discourse of the spiritual deception, the Christ, false Christ, the false prophets those being empowered by the Antichrist. Um, in fact, let's do this. Uh, let's go to Revelation 13. I don't think we really understand how much the spiritual deception that will take place during this time. I don't think we could fully comprehend at this time. Remember, the church, no matter what you believe is, the church here is won't be here. It will be raptured. And so you take away the church today, let's just say God raptured us today. What would the world look like? It'd be a mess, even a bigger mess than what it is, right? But we understand during these this time of tribulation, as we read in the book of Revelation, the Antichrist is on the scene. He, he's ruling. You know, the Jewish people, they, they have uh, uh, scattered, as the Lord uh, says. Um, look at verse 3 of Revelation 13. Oh, let's go to verse 4. And so they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast, saying, Who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? And so we understand here, the dragon is Satan. The beast is the Antichrist. So when we think of the spiritual deception, the Antichrist is going to have supernatural power. It's going to be demonic power. And why does the enemy have that demonic power? Well, to deceive the masses. And there's going to be a great deception of masses, obviously, at that time. As we've talked about, that is even happening now. But we understand then in verse uh, 5, And he was giving, given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. And so again, that pointing to that spiritual deception, the power given by Satan, 
the dragon, to the beast, the Antichrist, but it doesn't stop there. Verse 11 says, Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes, listen, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. That takes us back to the first couple of verses of Revelation 13, supernatural signs and wonders when the Antichrist will be fatally wounded. There's going to be a power that resurrects the Antichrist, mocking the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is absolute hatred toward God. And we understand this is the Antichrist, but he's going to have his his minion, if you will, the false prophet, pointing to this one, pointing to this one. And when we think about a one-world government, we've talked a lot about lately, we have a one-world government within that you have, you know, the, the, you know, the economist and all that. You have a, a military and just as important religion, spirituality. And so we see even now the Antichrist spirit, obviously, cannot have Jesus as the only way because that is the distinction of all other world religions and spirituality. And so now mocking, you know, again, take away the church. You have, you have this happen. You have the Antichrist resurrected. And you see that in the world. Again, remember, we all want a superhero. Oh, wow. This, this is what we've been waiting for. This, this guy, we've heard him on the news. We've, we, not you and I because we won't be here. But we've heard him on the news. He, he talks. They chant his name. He's a great-looking guy. He has, he's different from those American presidents that fight all the time. We've got order here. This is, this is the one. He, he's he's going to save the world. We, and all those Christians, we don't know what happened to them, but they're out of the picture now. This... This is utopia. This is where we're headed. This is going to be great. This is what man has progressed to right here. This is it. You see the deception? But we understand it's all demonic. Verse 13 says, He performs great signs so that he, he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of man. You know, man is, man is uh, you know, we, we want to see signs and wonders. Even the church, don't you want to see signs and wonders? And we wonder, why don't we see all the miracles in the book of Acts? Why don't we see them today? Well, we do. But again, in our hearts and our minds, we want to see the supernatural. Verse 14, And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth, listen, to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. So you have this evangelist, if you will, the, the false prophet, who I think, I think we're right to assume it's going to be a religious figure that the whole world knows. And that will be interesting. A lot of people have their guesses and point to, I don't know, I have my guesses, but they're not even worth saying. Might line up with your guesses. But anyway, it's going to be a religious figure, figure to draw attention to all of this. Signs and wonders, oh, we can trust this. But look what they're doing, the deception. Going to tell those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who is wounded by the sword and live. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. You know, I don't, I don't follow it uh, in depth, but I know they've created these things, they, giants and whatnot that talk. You hear these robots that quote scripture and uh, not only, you know, the Bible, but also um, Islam, you know, the Quran and, and Hindu and, and, and all, all the different religions. They have robots speaking forth this truth like it's some kind of deity bringing all religions in together. That's the goal of the enemy. To do away with, again, believers are going to be out of the picture. And all this is going to take place. Verse 16 says, he causes all, both small and great, 
rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So again, pointing to Revelation 13 to show the power, the demonic nature, the power, the signs and wonders that's going to deceive many. And Jesus warns of it, that do not be deceived. Now, let's go back to Mark 13. Mark 13. Verse 23 says, Jesus said, But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels, gather together his elect from the four winds, from the farthest part of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. So here it is, the second coming of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus is getting to. This is the, the answer to the questions, what will it be like um, uh, when you come? What will be the sign of these things? What, what's going to be taking place? And uh, we see here, again, unless we read the scriptures, we, we can't really fathom, and even then it's going to be hard to explain be, or, or think of because we, we've never experienced such things here on earth. And it will be a time where earth is never, it's going to be hell on earth. But the second coming, not to be confused with the rapture of the church, but the second coming, the second advent, we know is going to be much different than the first. When Jesus came, he came as a baby in a manger. He came to fulfill the mission of the Father, to go to the cross and die on that cross for man's sin. When Jesus comes again, he'll come in great glory and power. Let's look at a few scriptures. How about Revelation 1.7? Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him, even so, amen. So he is coming with the clouds. And we understand even though who pierced him, that's referring to the Jews. And ultimately, the big picture, he's coming again and judgment, not to save the world in a sense, but to bring forth judgment. He'll be taking out the Antichrist and all the enemies of God. Let's go again to Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We should be standing up celebrating that we're going to be with him. Again, not that we delight in God judging the world, but in delight that God is doing and we'll have done exactly what he said he would do. It's our blessed hope. Now, let's go, um, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. 
Philippians chapter 2. We understand chapter 2, for several verses, deal with the humility of Jesus, Him coming as a man to this earth. In verse 9 of Philippians chapter 2, it says, Therefore God also has highly exalted Him and given Him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth, and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I love, I love Paul's heart. I love how Paul didn't say, well, talking about end times and the second coming of Jesus to bring forth judgment, he didn't, he didn't think it was just controversial. He knew it was real. And this reminds me of how much when we think of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the name above every other name which man must be saved, it's, it's a progression, not just the gospel coming, but the good news carries on that Jesus will come again and he will set things right according to his perfect plan. That's part of the gospel. And so Paul then, how then should we live? God doesn't want us to go in a corner and hide and, you know, wait for him to come and rapture the church, and that way we can get on with it. No, this is real stuff. This is built into you and I, our belief, our conviction, our trust in God. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this doesn't mean we work for our salvation. It's working from our salvation. We love him because he first loved us. And then we live out our life accordingly, with fear and trembling. When I read about the tribulation period, the judgment of God, that makes, even though I know I'm not going to go through that, even though I know I'm going to be with the Lord, I know his word says we are to comfort one another with these words, it still is humbling and it brings fear, a reverence to him. I know his plan is perfect, and I know his heart, his character is loving and desires all man to come to him, not one to perish. Verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. And then Paul says, Do all things without complaining and disputing. So right there, we, we, we have this blessed hope, Jesus is coming, and then he talks about not complaining. Then he says that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I don't know. I complain a lot about our nation. I complain more about our president than I do praying for him. That's, it's, it's not commendation. It's really we should be praying for our president. We should be praying for our nation. We live in a, a very corrupted world that is continuously getting more evil by the day, getting darker and darker and darker. But here, this is, this is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. In light of all of that, God desires that we would be children of His without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. You know, Paul had the mindset as him being, uh, you know, a, a pastor, a shepherd, having been touched by God and having the delight to share the truth about God to others, the good news and using himself as a testimony. He had within him a, a mindset of presenting believers to the Lord. He shared the gospel at the church at Philippi, right? Remember the story, how they, they came to, to know God. They received the gospel of Jesus Christ. A church began in Philippi, and that came from, from Paul's ministry. And he wrote this letter when he was in prison and all. And so Paul, 
to all the churches that he ministered, he had this mindset of presenting them to the Lord. And for you and I, presenting ourselves to the Lord, even in the midst of all the darkness and the, the corruption that we see, that he's given us everything that we need to navigate through this life, even knowing what's coming, even knowing, remember, 2024, what's in store for us? Well, we don't know. The economy, it's probably going to tank. More darkness, more evil. But that doesn't change anything for you and I. He's given us his spirit to empower us to live as lights in the world. And you know who else is going to present us to the Father? The Lord Jesus Christ. We also, uh, in let's go to one more scripture here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Here's another church that Paul obviously had a great deal to do with. And he encouraged this church of future times. Verse 1 says, But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. Isn't it interesting, the darkness, the evil, uh, they're always calling for peace. You know, we're experiencing this now uh, with Israel today, rightfully defending themselves, and yet the world looks at them, well, the proportion of what you know, happened on October 7th doesn't even compare to what's happening in Gaza today. That's warped thinking. That's evil, corrupted minds. And peace and safety. The only peace that is real that is coming is Jesus. The peace that the world is looking for, the peace, this two-state solution. You know, there's a false report out this week that Netanyahu was calling for a two-state solution solution. They're clever. It's demonic. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we shall live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another, just as also we're doing. I still chuckle that a year and a half the Lord called Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship into existence knowing the world was going into a tank more rapid than we've ever seen before. And to see God work and shine his light through you to, to love one another and, 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 and to do, to be light to the world, to, to have a conscience and to have a heart to understand when the Spirit of God's moving that you accept that challenge. And that's what I love about you the church. It warms me, as it should warm you, that the Spirit of God moving in our fellowship chose to jump on board with Destiny Rescue and do something amazing. To rescue more than two. And who, I get goosebumps, they're glory bumps, glory bumps. Um, who knows what the Lord's going to do? And it's not just that one-time giving or whatever. The Lord wants us to have this heart all the time, to be light in this evil and corrupt world and to, to be steadfast, to be patient, knowing that Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming for his church, but he's also coming the second coming. When he is going to come, as we read in Revelation 19, he's going to destroy his enemies. He's going to destroy this man, this antichrist, and then he is going to set up his kingdom, and things will be 
as God has intended. But for now, we're in that church age. This is the age of the gospel, the age of grace. And you and I represent the Lord Jesus Christ in this age. Amen? So, Father, as we, Lord, you're just amazing. And uh, as we flew through these scriptures, Lord, I pray that your spirit would remind us, not just in head knowledge, Lord, but in heart knowledge. Give us the urgency, Lord, that we too, we've been instructed by your Spirit to live as lights in a dark world, to trust in you, Lord. Not just have a faith in our minds, Lord, but to truly trust in you in action, leading by example to others, being led of your Spirit. And Lord, that we would be bold to share the gospel, and to love others, Lord. And we can only do that, Lord, through your help. So we ask this morning, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be like Jesus to this lost and dying world. Doing so with the blessed hope in our heart, knowing that you are coming. So, for, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you continue to work in our midst, continue to bring glory to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Jim from Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship located in northern Cincinnati. Thank you for listening to today's Abiding Word. Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So we hope the word has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord today. You can email me at PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com. That's PastorJimSwigert at gmail.com with any comments or prayer requests. You can also connect with us at Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Church website is CalvaryChapelFaithFellowship.org. There you can learn more about the ministry of Calvary Chapel Faith Fellowship. Thank you and God bless.